You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates, and today is Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. And I just checked the weather app, and there is a 100% chance of rain today here in the GTA, at least where I'm sitting. But that is not the only storm that I see brewing. In fact, when I'm looking at the news for Toronto real estate this morning, as I'm learning myself and bringing it to you guys as investors, I also see a 100% chance of at least a storm, whether it's gonna rain or pour is to be determined. So today we're gonna talk about what is the perfect storm brewing among us here in the GTA. We're gonna talk about how many houses are selling for over asking in Toronto, but also the news, it's crazy. It's painting this incredible picture where we're seeing these pressures being added to demand and we see these pressures being added to supply and all of these things need to be taken into consideration before you invest a single dollar here in Toronto. We are number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for Toronto Real Estate. Thank you for tuning in with us every morning. We have lots of fun, or at least I do. And when I think of the word storm, you know what comes to mind? That character from X-Men. You know, the like least cool character, the one that nobody cares about. <laughs> but this storm has a much better ring to it. A storm is brewing that would have her even quit the team. I'm talking about the storm here in the GTA in our housing market. And I did not come into this trying to paint this picture. But as I'm reading the news, it's painting itself. And all I'm going to do is share with you what I'm seeing, what the news is saying today. I'm talking on Tuesday today. Of course, every day is different. Every day is changing. It's evolving. And this is why we need to be doing daily updates. So let's talk about the first article, the article of the day, the highlight on all the media today. If you look up the real estate market is houses are selling for over asking in Toronto at an above normal pace. This should not come as a surprise. And if it does, welcome. Welcome to Toronto's number one real estate podcast. Nice of you to join in. But we've been tracking this for some time. In fact, every week we get an update on this because we've seen this trend happening weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Here's the article. Traditionally, spring is the hottest season for Toronto real estate. But in case you haven't noticed, 2020 has been anything but traditional. So as we settle into the official start of summer, perhaps it shouldn't come as a complete surprise that some of June's resale numbers are beginning to compete with previous April and May averages. In other words, we seem to be enjoying a quote, delayed spring in Toronto right now. And we've been talking about this, talking about the weather. What weather are we experiencing? We are experiencing the storms of spring right now. So not only should we be comparing ourselves to last year's summer, but really we should be comparing ourselves to the spring because this is the type of figures we're seeing. This increase in activity, it, it seems it resembles a spring market far more than a summer market and far less like a collapsing market. Now, this came from a guy named Ingram, Scott Ingram, and we followed him before as an accountant. In fact, we might have even covered this exact piece last week, but he likes to track it. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's fun. And I enjoy it. This idea of how many people post their properties 
with an expectation of getting multiple offers. So they're underpricing their units and they call it a quote, bogus underpriced units. Don't look at the price tag, which is a good lesson as well. A lot of the average Joes out there that are looking for properties, maybe you're buying a home, even people who have bought multiple homes that aren't familiar with our market. Maybe you've lived here for a decade and you don't realize what this is, what is going on. Stop chasing the asking price. <laughs> I know it's easier because it's the number you see, but it's not like walking into a drugstore where you see, oh, Tylenol, $10. It's different. This is, this is, uh, this is a, a way of marketing. It's actually a more of a marketing tool than a price expectation in a market that's growing so quickly. So if you don't already know, make sure you stop chasing asking prices. Stop being one of 10 offers on a property that's w never going to win <laughs> because you think you're going to come in. Oh, look at me. I'm going 10,000 over asking. Woohoo! <laughs> Investors know better. Investors know better. Know what the value of that property is, understand the market, take more than five minutes to look at the listing and understand what you're doing before you submit and waste a whole bunch of time putting an offer together that's never gonna fly just because you chase an asking price. Anyways, I digress. So when we look at what's happened over the last week, so the numbers that we have now are back till June 14th. That's the most recent on these weekly basis that he's scheduling. Now we have seen over asking at a 44%. So this is this number comes as nothing unless you get the backstory here. So before COVID, pre-COVID, back in the early of 2020, we saw it up as high as 84%. Actually, this, sorry, 84 was back in 2017. That's actually crazy too. So if you look at 2017, you look at those numbers, that's unreal. However, when we look at 2020, which is another line on this chart, we saw it was at a high of 67. It was on track, by the way, to go back up to those 80s. We were kind of, we've been rebuilding ourselves back up since 2017. That's I guess the lesson in there, but as of COVID, it dropped all the way down to 20%, 20%. Now we're, we've come back up, we've doubled that and we're at 44%. So we are halfway back between where we were and where we were. <laughs> we're halfway back to recovery from where we were in 20 in March of 2020 in recovery of what happened back in April and May. So in other words, despite unprecedented job losses and physical distancing measures in place due to COVID, the Toronto real estate market remains highly competitive right now. Who's listening to me? It is ex highly is an understatement. It is very competitive right now and it's getting more and more competitive. Seven weeks ago in the middle of April, we saw 20% and we are now we're going over asking while well, a week ago, the number has already more than doubled, increasing for the fourth week in a row and six out of seven weeks total since the end of April. This is not new, it's not new news. <laughs> this is not new news, folks. This is something we've been tracking for weeks on end and hopefully, now that this is a number one article, people are finally tuning into it. Unfortunately, they're behind the curve because people who are catching onto this news now have missed this. And we've been tracking this for weeks. You're not hoping for a bidding war in a dead market. This is one of the things that he said. It's true. Like you're not going to get, this is kind of why, even though it's like, yeah, the price over asking, what does that really mean? What does it all mean? Does it even have meaning? Life is meaningless according to Ecclesiastes, little Bible knowledge for you there. But ultimately, this is a good indication that people have an interest in a hot market. It's not, you're not gonna be 
pricing homes low and creating bidding wars and bully offers in a market that's dead. There is new life. Also Bible knowledge. <laughs> Fortunately, Zucasa in the last week was able to update us and show us that year over year, we have very similar numbers as it relates to the sales to new listing ratio, which we've walked through in the last couple of days. And when I look at months of inventory, I see that number. This, by the way, this is some of this not in the news stuff that I was just talking about. Months of inventory, I expect, is coming down. We've actually already started to see that a little bit. But it hasn't happened on monthly basis. Bases? More than one month consecutive. And so people aren't really paying attention to this. But what I think is now happening is it has gone the whole other way. No longer are we on a race to becoming a buyer's market. We have fully stopped, changed gears, and we are in reverse. I'm doing stuff with my hands right now. It looks like I'm driving standard. <laughs> we are in reverse, folks, and we are headed back down on months of inventory, driving us further and further back into the seller's market. This is looking much like 2017. And as I listen to you listeners in your comments, I love hearing from you guys and Many of them are worth sharing. For example, Andrew, thank you for your comment. Not rocket science while prices are sky high. The Greenbelt has destroyed new housing supply in an age of mass immigration. Right now, our entire market is essentially propped up by immigrants bringing their dot, the dot, the dot. So he's talking about the pressures. Then Billy Miner, thank you for your comment. I'm in Markham. Looking at my app, seeing strong sales across the board. Homes easily sold at asking or a bit above. Looking good. Hope it continues. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate that. Baseline, Toronto is setting up to go way up just when spring 2020 will be the clear sign start. So he's expecting spring 2021. I would agree by spring 2021, things should have unfolded. And we've kind of talked about that too. Thank you. And Sergey, thank you for your comment. Moral of a story, everyone who was waiting for a crash in 2008 and did not buy lost money. Everyone who was waiting for a crash in 2017 and did not buy, lost money. 2020, anyone? <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's hilarious. It's true. Like, if, I mean, realistically, if you were to buy at these dips, you would be in a very comfortable position. I agree. There is more optimism, guys, in our Toronto real estate market than pessimism. So if you're looking for bad news, that's another day. The bad news is not today. Because the news, as I'm following it, although I have my own bias, the news is very optimistic. I don't even have to, I don't have to fake this. The message we've been sharing the last few months is finally in the news. In some ways, I feel like in the last couple of weeks, I've had to kind of prop things up. Like, guys, just hold tight. Hold that listing. Don't feel like you need to dump that place because nobody else is. And the market is turning around. Well, we are fully turned around now. If you want to consider selling, like the skies are clear other than the storm that's on its way, which we'll talk about in just a second. So the next stop, the things that are most important is these mortgage deferrals. If that even matters anymore, some people don't think that that matters. I do. It just matters how much, right? And also the CERB has been extended until the end of August. So that, which is added an extra two months, which is interesting because I looked on the CMAC just to kind of refresh my memory and their publication for the six month timeframe on deferred mortgage was on March 24th. That puts that timeline at the end of September, uh, yeah, September, <laughs> the end of September and early October. And at the end of August, CERB ends up. So, so here we're looking at the fall, right? So let's say we kind of, and CERB wraps up in August. So by the beginning of September, it's getting tighter. 
Plus, we've got the mortgage deferrals wrapping up at the end of September. So all within a month to two months. Now, will those be extended further? My vote is yes, if it's necessary. But if not, that I would say is your hazard zone. If we were to create this hazard zone of 2020, whether they extend it or not is a whole other thing. But in the meantime, that gives us until mid to late September where the skies are clear. It's only June. Remember, it's only still June. We got July, we got August and September. You got three months of this. And when we are seeing months of inventory coming down fast and we see new listings not outpacing sales, instead we see sales rising at paces that match with spring markets, in three months that can do a real number. And so the question is really, is mortgage deferrals enough to slow the train down? I don't know. I don't know. Ask me in a month or two from now. Let's see some of the stats. Let's see the optimism, if it changes. I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna rain. I think it's gonna pour, but not so much in the sense of the market on a downturn. It's the other way. It's the other way. This storm that's brewing is in favor of a lot of optimism, despite the negative factors. Like, I am not throwing out negative factors. I am saying despite immigration, despite unemployment, Despite these things, right? Despite the looming removal of mortgage deferrals, we have many things that are going to fuel our market on the demand side and fuel our market on the supply side. And that is what I want to talk about for the rest of this podcast. Number one, what are some of the demand factors? We got news today that Trev is urging Toronto Executive Committee to move forward with a municipal land transfer tax relief for first time home buyers. This is the article. With the City of Toronto's Executive Committee considering a report today, this article came out yesterday, I'm interested to see what their decision was. I can see it, if Treb is kind of pleading with them to do it, I can see something happening. It's not big news yet, but it's coming, guys. I told you about this last week, once we get word that it has been approved, it'll be big news. They are asking for first-time buyers to have additional credit on the municipal land transfer tax. Now, just a little bit of a history lesson, back in 2008 when it was implemented, the average price was $415,000 in Toronto. And so they wanted to max it out at 400,000. So they wanna at least give you kind of what the values are of the area. Well, in the meantime, if you haven't been paying attention since 2008, values have more than doubled at $881,000. Yet the rebate still stands at a maximum of $400,000. So the point here is, is you're getting less than half of what you were getting before. So. Time to shape up, give some money back to first-time buyers because now it's starting to cost them money when originally intended to fully pay for this, this land transfer tax. And in Toronto is very unique because most municipalities don't have it. In fact, I can't even think of another one that does, at least not here in, in the GTA and here in Ontario. If there's another one, maybe in another province. <clears throat> so something needs to be done. And the Toronto Real Estate Board is putting that pressure. You know what this is doing, guys? This is pushing demand further. On top of interest rates coming down, we now are going to incentivize buyers to come on the market, first-time buyers that are going to stimulate this, which is actually a good thing because a lot of these guys have been hit, right? A lot of them have been hit by COVID. So I can see the heart behind the move, but I also see that this is one more catalyst to fuel demand. At a time where I'll be honest, I don't think we need to fuel demand right now. I don't even think CMHC thinks we need to fuel demand from the country's perspective because they're making qualifying for a mortgage harder. They know Yes, they think the market's going to drop 18%, but they deep down know you can afford it. We can afford it. The demand is still there. Dirty little secret. 
Uh, I, I, I'm assuming there's going to be people listening to this thing. Oh, man. Hot water. <laughs> Treading in some hot water here. I like to have down big down days and big up days. <laughs> we don't go halfway. We got record low interest rates. And here's another news that you've definitely heard. Tomorrow, Toronto and Peel open into stage two. The time has come. Stage two is here. We are restarting. Can you say fueling demand? Comfort levels are opening up. We saw even when stage one happened, we saw a, a pump. Ugh, my voice is cracking now. Ugh. We saw a pump. Mm. You can't, open, can't go to the gym until phase three, but we can still pump on phase two. <laughs> Included in this, we've got outdoor dining services, restaurants, bars, and establishments. We got daycares with limits. We got personal care services. If you want to go get that tattoo you've been holding out for, go get that like cat, COVID tattoo. I lived past COVID or a barbershop and get it, kind of get a, a fade, get that I lived past COVID fade. Hair salons, beauty salons, shopping malls, tour and guide services, water recreational facilities like splash pads. Woo! Take the kids out. Beach access, Ontario parks, camping at private campgrounds, outdoor activities, drive-ins, drive-through venues for theaters, concerts, animal attractions, da 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 Film and television production activities. Get that Netflix boosted up. There is going to be a grand opening tomorrow. Now the question is, are they going to be ready to grand open for tomorrow? Probably not because you only had two days warning, which is why I think Tory kind of tipped. Oh, we're going to see an opening. So people were preparing, but I don't think everyone's going to be fully prepared. Regardless, this is a psychological fight, guys. It's not about whether the doors are open. Unemployment, by the way, is in the double digits. Yet people are buying. It is a psychological move because supply is still super tight. So there is pressures on demand. There's, there are some on-demand pressures. You guys remember your old controller used to be like on-demand button? There might still be, but who uses cable anymore? <laughs> uh, this, <laughs> moving right along. Supply pressures. Okay, so we've seen pressure on demand. I'm seeing quite a bit of it. But we've also got pressure on supply. There's an article that came out of Toronto Stories in the last 24 hours. Nearly 500 construction projects delayed in the GTA due to COVID. And not for any short period of time. We're going to talk about the numbers in just a second. I told you. I told you. You you ask people who are in government. Oh, yeah. Projects are moving ahead fine. They're still open. No problem. They're an essential service. They're going to keep producing that housing because we know we need housing in the GTA. Well, the dirty secret is out. The storm is a brewing on the supply side. We have nearly 500 construction projects delayed. I told you. Told you. Open up the internet. Not good enough, guys. Not good enough. Despite residential construction industry being recognized as an essential workplace under Ontario's emergency orders during COVID's outbreak, a recent survey from the home building industry found that nearly 500 construction projects were delayed. Here's the numbers. 498 active construction projects representing 156,000 units at various stages of construction were delayed as a result of the pandemic. Of the delays, 276, so more than half, are located in Toronto alone. BILD, B-I-L-D, they're the ones that kind of published this. They're the association that wanted the survey done. They warned that these interruptions will have, quote, far-reaching impacts on the housing supply in an already tight market, which we just kind of heard from our listeners. We know the Greenbelt, which eventually will probably be opened up, let's face it. But in the meantime, is closed. We have a, ourselves a little island here and we need construction. We need it. 
We need it. Try and convince me otherwise. We need supply. Uh, and I actually got a question, which we'll get to in a second about these pre-constructions. We'll get there. But 65% of projects in Toronto reported interruptions of three to six months, while 32% were greater than six months. So in other words, pretty 97 were over three months, but they were floating at least three to six months. They're in that range. That's like, that's, so, and that's across the board. Everyone is delayed three to six months. The lockdown has been three to six months. So the question is, is what we've been doing? Like you guys have been working, no? Well, here, listen to this. There have still been interruptions. This is what they say. According to the CEO, Dave Wilkes, president of Build, disruptions to the supply chain negatively impacted the ability of the industry to secure vital building materials. Work sites had to appropriately adjust to COVID protocols as social distancing rules negatively impacted production. Okay, I've seen you guys doing your construction. I don't know where that, that's happening. I don't see that, but okay. I know you guys think you're too cool if you wear a mask. I know that's happening. <laughs> and some municipalities had to adjust to working remotely. Oh, okay. So you guys, I get it. I get it. You're building the house from home. Got it. This slowed processing of planning and building applications, installed developments and construction projects. Well, there you go. Pretty much the whole way, right? Pretty much the whole way. They are working out there. I see you guys working in the way that you were working before. <laughs> I am not getting it out with pre-construction guys because you guys are doing a great job and we need supply. Please bring the supply. And that same numbers line up with the GTA. We're seeing huge numbers, three to six months minimum. Some of which are over six months, but most of them between the three to six months. This will set back occupancy of over 8,000 units by the end of 2021, potentially exacerbating an already existing shortage of housing while further reducing construction activity and leading to a loss of 10,000 jobs, right? Because these, these guys are losing their jobs too because they're not able to build. The, they, the projects, they're getting stuck. There's, there's kind of like a, there's a bottleneck happening, right? So as much as people are like, oh, there's a whole bunch of new supply coming on, that is actually, now you know, that is a very weak argument because we want more housing starts, in fact, Build released a 20-point plan two weeks ago recommending changes to mortgage rules, eliminating security deposits for the Ontario land transfer tax on affiliated transfers, freezing municipal increases to property tax reassessments and development charges, and billions in stimulus spending. Not to mention, I added on as well, they want a 30-year amortization on mortgages. So they're trying to stimulate, make it easier, bring down the red tape and help build because we can't keep up and we're seeing the numbers right in front of our faces. And when we look at the numbers, the lost revenue from the government is a whole other story. The government is already taking, they are a sinking ship in that they're spending, other than municipalities were completely caught, but look at these numbers. From over the next two years, the losses will, will include 340 million in lost development charges, 13.5 million in lost education development charges, 26 million in property taxes, 364 million in HST. And this is part of why pre-constructions are more expensive, by the way, because if you look at these numbers, the biggest single number is 364 million in HST. You got to pay HST on pre-construction. You don't on a resale. 53.8 million in, in provincial land transfer tax and 52 and a half million in municipal land transfer tax. And we're going to hopefully cut some of that for you first time home buyers. But that's a lot of money. That's a lot of revenue lost. You won't even see it now. Won't even see it. So I promised I was going to talk about pre-construction because I, I got a question from W a few days ago. Thank you for your patience. Here's, here's a response. He said, why are they building so many downtown condos? I see so many pre-construction projects. Who's buying? 
they have to be starting at over 600,000 in the core. And the conversation kind of continues, but some of the things I said is, let's not forget, first of all, that we need housing, okay? We have a shortage of housing. I said this a couple of days ago. Also, this construction is already underway. The stuff you're seeing, the cranes, they're already units that are sold. You cannot pull the brakes now, right? So the stuff being built now is not just sold now. This was sold before. So if you're kind of fighting in the pre-construction, you can actually make a case right now that there's going to be a lot of competition. This is what this tells me because there's a lot of delays. And so there's not new projects starting. And so they're fighting over less. They're fighting over less supply coming on the market in that space. So when people say, why is it, when is it ever going to be more affordable to buy rental than pre-construction? Because pre-construction is always so much cheaper. That is not true. Not true. Okay. HST, big one. You got to pay HST on pre-construction. Also, pre-construction, the things you think you're getting in the in the base package, they're, they're not what you wanted in the first place. So you're going to have to pay for these add-ons. You're going to need these add-ons. The, the, the cost, let me ask this question. The way I like to throw it back is in what other field, what, where else in the world can you buy something new for cheaper than something used? I'll give you a second to think about it. That's because it's not true. <laughs> And if you think it is, you need to go out there and study it more. I would, hey, I'm all in. I'll buy pre-construction. In fact, we realtors make more money on pre-construction. When I sell a pre-construction unit, I get 4%. And I have clients that want to buy pre-construction. That's great. But is that always in the best interest if you're looking to generate a cash flow? Not necessarily. The benefit actually right now of pre-construction, if there was one that I, I'm actually warming up to, is that you don't, first of all, you don't have to enter the rental market for a while which is, which buys you some time. And in the meantime, you're not paying the mortgage. So you're stalling on that payment. So those two things actually present a bit of an opportunity for people looking in the pre-construction, but overall they are going to cost you more money. Don't you kid yourself. In fact, the builders are speculating in a market that they know is going to go up as well. A storm is much like investors out there. You little investors out there, nothing can be done to change either one of them. Guys, it is very difficult to change someone's mind, but hopefully as you follow us here on Toronto's number one real estate podcast, you are learning what we are learning, collecting the news, kind of, oh, this is really bad, but the, the thought that comes to mind is in high school, this idea of a function. Oh, gross math. Where you put it in this little pot and it gets you worked into this function and something else comes out. <laughs> Ugh. That breaks my heart that that's what I'm thinking of to wrap this morning up. But there's a storm brewing, guys. We're seeing a storm on supply. We're seeing a storm on demand. We're seeing the news is becoming more and more optimistic. I kind of hope that we get some rough news tomorrow. <laughs> At this point, I'm hoping that there's something to soften this thing because this train is rolling. It is full-fledged rolling. Regardless of what your realtor is telling you out there, things are looking very optimistic right now. So anyways, I'm going to leave it there and I'm going to go have myself some morning breakfast. I'll see you tomorrow morning with more. Take care and keep it real.